Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martin. Now, a couple of months ago, I guess it must have been during the holidays, I started getting messages about this new place selling a, a tortier mix. And I, I remember Mike, Mike definitely messaged me about this, and he definitely had some listeners message us about this. So I know this is a conversation people were hoping I would be able to pull off. So I am very happy to welcome the founder of KMG Foods, Kristen Gagné. Kristen, welcome to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. Thank you, Jesse. I'm very happy to be here. So let's get your story. Where are you from? Sanford, Maine. Grew, born and raised Sanford, Maine. Very awesome. My sister mm-hmm. actually happens to own a dance studio in Sanford, Maine, which is ah. a total side note. <laughs> Northern <laughs> Explosion Dance. Mike could edit that out. Yeah, no, but, I definitely know it. Oh, oh, yeah, my sister owns yeah. it. Um, so what kind of role did Franco-American, French-Canadian identity have for you when you were growing up in Sanford, Maine? Well, it was the identity. It was the role. Uh, so growing up in Sanford, it's, you know, a, a mini, I call it like a mini Quebec, right? Like everybody has a French last name. Your Memes and Pepes and Matans and Manoques, they all spoke French and you get together and you have all of these foods and parties that to you is normal because that's your family and that's what you have. Uh, so the tortillera and the croton and the beans and, you know, split pea soup, all of those things were that was it. That's what you had, you know, and you had neighbors who made those special little candies and fudges, at <laughs> you know, it was just the molasses taffy. I mean, it was just, that was it. And you had these words for things and phrases for things that you thought were what everybody said until you leave that little area. And you're like, oh, you don't say chedron for like a big stock pot. And you don't say mousse if you have a little piece of lint on your clothes. So yeah, it was, that was it. It was the identity. It is so awesome. I hear that, the story you're telling, and the fact that, I mean, you had that experience. I clearly did here. We've had people from Vermont. I mean, you hear that same kind of thing all through New England. You just almost wake up one day. You're like, wait a minute, you didn't grow up eating Chinese pie? Really? Like, no. You should lie, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. So that's way, way fun. So do you speak French? I do, I do. Um, it's been quite a few years. Actually, after high school, I went back to the motherland. I went to college in Montreal. And, oh, very cool. Where'd uh, you go? Concordia University. Very nice. And I started off as a French studies major, Etude Française, and <laughs> very naive. Uh, I thought that my Franco-American background and the fact that I could understand a lot of French and that I took four years of French in high school would prepare me for doing a major <laughs> <laughs> in Etude Française. It did not. And... Uh, I thought naively so that all the classes would be taught in English and that we would be studying. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not the case. So yeah, I learned the hard way, but I became quite fluent uh, after that first year in Montreal. That's awesome. Though. Did you speak it in the house at all growing up? Yeah, like I said, my meme. Oh, yeah. So yeah. even like your parents spoke to you in French? Not fluently. It was more like phrases and words, right? Gotcha. So names of things and definite phrases of things and ice fishing with my dad we always had you know this 
what's on, what's on, down the door. You know, like you always said that to the fish, like, please bite my fish. So, yeah, I mean, there were things peppered throughout, you know, everything that we did growing up. Very, very awesome. Now, now it's funny, the story you told, I spent six months in Quebec last year, and there was definitely people studying there who were going to go to school in French and trying real hard to make that transition from studying French to being able to study in French. And right. how big that jump was no that's interesting that's cool yeah, it's jumping off a cliff it's it's not a, <laughs> it's, it's a full-on skydive yeah that's awesome now are all your grandparents from quebec like how far removed so i'm third generation so okay. i would say my memes and pepe's parents were mm-hmm. gotcha now do you know the towns i don't i don't i know my sister kelly my youngest sister has done a lot of work uh, with ancestry and, and things sure. like that. I think she has a bit more information and we haven't yet have, you know, gotten together to, to figure gotcha. it all out, but definitely, definitely in Quebec. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's a fun process, by the way, for sure. I'm sure yeah. your sister's getting excited by it. I know the first time I was able to see some of these towns that the family was from the Quebec was amazing. It was very, very cool. Yeah. It's fascinating. I, I definitely, since starting this business, I've always been interested and always been really about, you know, understanding our family and all of that. But now I'm really interested in learning even more about just the immigration of Franco uh, French Canadians and, you know, how, what the role was and everything. And just more and more that I learn about it, you know, it makes me even more proud, but it really, the more you understand your roots, you really do solidify your identity. So that's been a really fun process and really eye-opening. No, that's awesome. I can definitely understand that. It's kind of my journey through this podcast for sure. No, that's very cool. Now, so how did you go then from a student studying French in Concordia to opening some KMG food? Did you work in the restaurant industry? How does this transition happen? It's a big, (laughs) so (laughs) I would say that food and travel and that is probably my biggest hobby. So when I first went to Montreal, Um, Well, even before that, if if we go back to high school, I was really excited about the opportunity through my French club in high school to go to France and Switzerland. Now, up until age 16, I thought for sure I was going to be a doctor. (laughs) I'm so fascinated with understanding. I'm insatiably curious. So I always thought I'm going to be a doctor. So fascinated. My aunt was a doctor and I was always looking through her medical books and I'm like, wow, how can you know so much about the body? This is fascinating. Flash forward to, you know, this trip to France, I see all I see, I eat all I eat. And I'm like, no, no, I cannot live in the hospital. I got to be out here learning about all of this. So as soon as I got back, I really like pivot, sharp, sharp turn to language town and became (laughs) kind of obsessed with how can I travel? How can that be my job? And so I thought, oh, well, first I'll move to Canada, I'll go to Montreal and I'll study French and then that'll be like the next step. So after then that first year of realizing, wait a second, A, I'm never going to be as fluent as I need to be to actually do this. And then B, what in the world am I going to do for a job (laughs) with degree? So I switched to actually an ESL major. So English as a second language. Very cool. Yeah. So from there, you know, I can travel all over the world. Um, many people are interested in learning English. And so I stayed in Montreal another year and found an undergrad program in Hawaii, no less, to get an undergrad degree in 
ESL and teaching English as a second language. A lot at the time, a lot of that ESL, a lot of those ESL degrees were master's degrees, but I didn't have time for that. I was like, no, we gotta get it, we gotta get moving. So, so you flew out from Montreal to Hawaii. Yes. That's amazing. I, for my junior year of college. So junior and senior year of college, I, I, I did in, in Hawaii. Yeah. And so then I was working for a long time teaching English in New York. I did some consulting in Maine. I was working for a Maine Medical Center. I got involved in immigration. I was working with a lot of the scientists in the research department at Maine Med, teaching English. And then I really, I gave up everything. I had, by then I had bought my own house. I was living in Portland, Maine. And I said, you know what? I need to get back into ESL hard, hardcore. You know, I sure. got to focus on that. So I sold everything and moved to Singapore. And so I was in Singapore. <laughs> That's so crazy. I know, it's so nuts. So I was in Singapore teaching there, had the best time, traveled, you know, just so eye-opening, such an amazing experience. And then started actually my first company with a language platform called WebTalks. Now, if anyone else has ever started a business, you're you're green, you're very naive, you have no sure. idea. <laughs> Absolutely. And yep. this was the case. I, I really had no idea what was involved in starting a language tech company. So it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> what were you hoping to do? The idea was it would be a platform to coach international professionals kind of on demand, uh, gotcha. which was a lot of the work that I was doing with Maine Medical Center is, you know, working on a specific activity or presentation or something that sure. these international scientists were doing but they didn't have anybody like me that could really address those specific questions or pronunciation of specific things. So I thought, well, if we create this online platform and you have a bunch of language coaches like me, we can get together. You can have, anyway, it didn't that work. Sounds cool. yeah. But it's a great idea and I still believe in it and I would love to do it at some point, but it was not, that was not the time. So, yeah. which is why. And then quite a few more moves. And, you know, in the meantime, all of the traveling, everything I did was centered around food. You know, I am obsessed with cookbooks and blogs and videos and cooking shows. And I mean, the Julia Child and the Texans <laughs> and, you know, like all of it. I've always loved it. And so, you know, I was that friend, I guess, that people are like, oh, where should I go eat here? Or, you know, what's there. good over there? And it's That's just a good friend. Yeah, I mean, it's been really, really fun. And the business came about totally by accident. Came to Foods totally happened by accident. And uh, really, it was finding out that my sister, who lives in Virginia, wasn't able to have tortier and she didn't want to make it because it takes so long. So I went online thinking I'd be cheeky to find a seasoning mix, and there wasn't one. So like, well, let me take mine and let's see if I can convert it to these dried ingredients. And there we go. KMG. Yeah, that's awesome. Very, very cool. All right. So we definitely got to talk about KFG Foods, starting with that exact product that you're talking about there, the pork pie mix. And first of all, I got to say, what got me pretty hyped when I first saw this product was the name you chose for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably what my family used for the word, which I don't hear very often at all, but oh. that's always what we called it in our house growing up. Okay. We did not call it tortier. So please tell us about this because this is awesome. This has been the most interesting part of this specific product is what it's called. Right. So in my family growing up, it's always been toke. Absolutely. And there's okay. really no 
official spelling of Tokyo, <laughs> right? It's like yeah, I didn't I didn't know if it had an R in it or not, honestly. When I was, when I was I don't know. <laughs> you know, because really the official name is Tortier, right? right? Like that's the word that yeah. you find, air quotes. Um, well, my parents would never have called it Tortier ever. Yeah. No. Never. Yeah. And what I'm finding is that regionally people have different kind of pet names for it, right? Or like family names for it, however you want to say that. So in our family, it was Tuk K. And I thought phonetically, it sounded like it was spelled T-U-K-K-A-Y. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But what's been funny is what I'm realizing now is a lot of people, if you look quickly, thinks it, thinks it spells turkey. So they're like, what's turkey? <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> No, not exactly. Yeah. 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 But that's the reason why it's called Tokay, because that's what Tortier has been in our family. Yes. No, I love that. Again, I've, I've mentioned that a couple of episodes on this, though. That's what we called it in our house, too. And people were looking at me all kind of crazy because they were not familiar with that. Like yeah. you said, it must be a regional thing. Um, actually, yeah, what actually goes into a Tortier is also a super yes. regional thing. So, how did you determine what was going to be? Yeah, exactly. We've had the whole potatoes versus not potatoes debate on the show before. So how did you determine what was going to go into your mix? Well, it's just the flavors that are familiar to me. You know, there's a phrase that says there are many recipes for tortillera there, as there are cooks in Quebec, right? So sure. everybody's going to have a little bit of a variation. I mean, the same thing with like American chop suey or shepherd's pie, you know, like everyone has their own little twists and tweaks. Some people use bread as a binder. Some people use oats. Some people use potato. Some people don't use anything. Right. Uh, some people put a lot of cloves or a lot of allspice or a lot of those warm spices. And some people don't put any and they just use like thyme and bell seasoning, you know? So it really changes no matter where you are, or who you are, what family you grew up in. Um, and I say that on my site too. It's like, this may not be the same that you grew up with, but this, sure. these are the flavors that I grew up with. And I try to incorporate, you know, a little bit of all of those nostalgic, familiar flavors. So there's some warm spices, there's some herbal notes in there to kind of touch on maybe if it's not quite the same as what you had, but you can still taste a little of that familiarity. Now, was there like a trial and error period where you try oh, to work out yes. the <laughs> Yes, was there a trial and error? It's called, officially it's called research and development. Sure, of course. Um, but what it means is that my poor husband had to eat a lot of meat. <laughs> he doesn't sound like a poor guy to me at all. Sounds like a very lucky guy. Yeah, no, there was, there was a lot. And not even the flavors were the easiest part. It was more of getting the texture right. So sure. a lot of what I'm trying to do with KMG Foods is replicate those flavors and those foods, but without all the time, right? All right. of these foods, cotton, tortillere, baked beans, pea soup, it takes so long, right? Sure. Such labor, labors of love for sure. As much as I think we would all want to spend for three, four hours making Torsier or any of those products, I, I don't think it's as realistic anymore that we have this kind of time. So, and, you know, a lot of these recipes aren't written down. A lot of my customers even say like, oh, I, I don't have memes. You know, she just said she would put a little of this and a little of that, or I, I would take half a mug or half a teacup and put some of the, you know, sure. so it's so hard to replicate. And, 
you know, it's just trying to make it a little more accessible for everyone. So you may not know how to make tortillas, but with our product, you brown the meat you like, you add our mix, a little bit of water, fill a crust, bake it, 25 minutes of prep versus two hours. Yeah, I guess that to me is the key. I, I tell you, I got very, very little cooking abilities and cooking skills. My sister, yeah. I do not have that. So, so for me, it's just as easy as browning up some meat, good to go. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. It's very, very easy going. And, and that's, you know, and you hear a lot of, I guess, criticism, but I, I totally understand where it comes from. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, but that's traditional. And of course, I mean, if you're able to get together with your family and a big group of you get together and you make 30 tortillas, I mean, that's beautiful. Continue to do that as long as possible. You know, that's so amazing. I just don't think we are as lucky anymore, you know, that we live close together. I mean, my family's all over the place Absolutely. now. And it's just this way you smell it baking. <laughs> it tastes like sure. it, you know, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do is, is to make these foods a little more accessible. That is awesome. Very, very cool. I know my, I've said it before, my grandmother, my meme Provence, but my mom's mom, she always used to make it with nuts. And that's, oh, that, wow. yeah, that recipe is unfortunately lost, but that's something I've, again, just it's super easy. Like you said every, every family has that kind yeah. of their own little. Yeah, the, that's the first family. one I've heard with nuts. That's interesting. Yeah. Something I've discovered only in the past couple of years was that there's a legitimate debate between gravy or ketchup. Yes. with the tortier. Which one did you grow up with? It's funny because I think both sides think the other side's completely nuts and never heard of it before. It's weird. It's so funny. We actually grew up with all the condiments. Um, oh, yeah? Okay, cool. It was kind of like your own adventure. So <laughs> there were the diehard, I don't want any condiment on it. I want it au naturel, just the pie. Uh, then there were the ketchup team. Then there's the mustard team. A lot of people love mustard. it. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I, mustard is on my gâteau for sure, but yeah, not the pork and then, um, a lot of like pickled things or beef. Oh, sure. Or, you know, any of those kind of chutney things are amazing with it. Cranberry sauce. I have a lot of people that like cranberry sauce. Yeah. So cool. whenever I post as well about, you know, what team are you on your team? Ketchup. <laughs> I mean, there's some strong feelings. Some yeah, strong feelings. for sure. I know the first time I brought it up to my folks, my parents are like, Seriously, people put ketchup on this thing? And I had it, because we always had gravy. For, like, we have, we just call it pork pie or turkey, like you said. And every Thanksgiving, we had it. Every Christmas, we had it. Every New Year's, we had it. It was always there. And it was always with gravy. And I was like, yeah, I'm being told some people to actually do ketchup with it. And my parents are like, that's weird. That's very, very strange. And yeah, I have I, customers who put maple syrup. Oh, I don't doubt that. They put some yeah. syrup on everything, I would guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I had it. I had the ketchup for the first time when I was in a restaurant, actually in Quebec City, when I was up there, and I thought it was amazing. I still, yeah. I think, I guess that's going to be news to my parents when they hear this episode. But I haven't had the heart to tell them yet. Still, that was really good. But the way I say it is, as long as I get to have some tortilla, I don't. There you I'm go. Not specific on on what's on the side. Yeah. Very cool. Now, a question I do need to ask. I'm thinking about uh, Melody. Now, Melody, this is this podcast. Now, Melody Desjardins. She runs our news segment that we do every other week. And I don't think she's going to mind me asking because she was recently featured, recently, excuse me, featured on Franco Foods, where they tried putting together a gluten-free and vegan pork pie. And so they kind of experimented. So for those who might be vegan or are trying to stay away from gluten or both, yeah. 
is this an option using some KMG food product? Yes. So our, our package, our mix is vegan based on ingredients and it's gluten-free for sure. So I actually have a recipe on my site where you can make a, a vegan tortillere. So you can either use like an alternative meat, like I did it with, I think it was the impossible or beyond, um, but you can do it with roasted vegetables and you can do it with different grains. It's delicious. Uh, it works with really anything. And then same thing, if you have a gluten-free crust, you can make any kind of filling you want and put it in your crust. Or I even have people like a, I have a recipe on my site for the pâté chinois and mm -hmm. you can make it into a delicious pâté chinois and, you know, bypass crust. If you don't even want to deal with a gluten-free crust, no, <laughs> you can do it awesome. like that. Yeah. No. And I think that's super cool and super important because I think for a while anyway, uh, people who have, dietary restrictions have almost been told like you're not invited to this party you know yeah. if you're not going to eat the way that this is made right. then right. It's, it's traditional or nothing sorry you can't participate so i think to be able to have a product like this that allows them to still enjoy this tradition that has been going on in their family forever is awesome yeah i mean and that that's exactly right and it's been really great hearing from people to say like i haven't had tortillera in 20 years because it's always been meat and now I, I had a customer actually make it with uh, Morningstar crumbles and the corn, Q-U-O-R-N, the corn um, crumbles. So to kind of mimic the beef and pork mixture, gotcha. that is on our website too. So it is great. It's very friendly for anybody's real dietary needs. And the other products that we have coming out are as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to need to talk about some of those for sure. I actually <laughs> want to transition to talking about this bean blends. Oh, okay. I'm talking about because we're going to get story time. Yeah. So, well, this bean that you did, that you're putting together, this bean product, because my sister and I uh, actually spent, my sister lives in Wells, Maine. So, oh. I spent Christmas Eve over at her house, hung out with her and her two kids, and we tried making our own Christmas Eve dinner. Okay. And some of the stuff we made came out really great. We had really strong meatball action. So, French Canadian mm -hmm. kind of style yeah. meatballs was great was not successful at all was our beans. Our beans was completely weak, lacked flavor. It was just not, it was not very good. So tell me about this bean, bean blend because <laughs> I can certainly, certainly use it. Yeah, so same thing, the products we had, the, the foods we had growing up, my mom actually was always the one responsible for bringing baked beans to every family function. She said everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a one-year-old's birthday party yeah. or if it's a funeral, you have right. to have a, a crock pot of baked beans. At, 100%. And I loved them. I love, for me, it's comfort food. For me, it's like, you know, you either have hot dogs and beans or ham and beans right. or and brown bread. I mean, you got to do it. And same thing. It's a, a dried mix. It has no preservative. It's everything that you would have in baked beans in a dried pouch. So the only thing that you need to add are your beans and salt pork. So it is centered around salt pork, but if you are a vegetarian, sure. you can just omit it and add a little bit extra salt. The biggest thing that I found, again, when we talk about hacking these processes to make them faster and a bit more efficient is the soaking of beans. If you are making it in a crock pot and not like an instant pot or something, you do need to soak the beans overnight, but not just soaking them in water. You actually want to brine your beans. Okay. Now, when I say that, all it means is that you soak them in salt water. So okay. you do 
six cups of cold water to a tablespoon and a half of kosher salt or a tablespoon of table salt and you just soak them overnight and it will change everything for the better. So all your beans will be like creamy mm. and the skins aren't going to be falling off all over the place. And it's just, it makes all the difference. And so yeah. for us, you just, you soak your beans, you put them in the crock pot, you add our mix, you add your six ounces of salt pork and four and a half cups of boiling water. And there you go. Done. Yeah, tell, tell my sister, we got a new plan for yeah. next Christmas. <laughs> for sure. Very but it's cool. all but those you, flavors, you know, it's maple, it's molasses, it's mustard, yeah, really. onion. Yeah. No, very cool. And, and you have what I, you mentioned a couple of times, you have all kinds of cool recipes on this webpage. Now, where, where do they all come from? Because I noticed that some necessarily aren't yours. It kind of been said. Yeah. So we always encourage if customers use our mix for things that are other than like what's on the back of the package, because the recipes on the back of the package, you know, like our customer that made it vegetarian, we had right. a customer that made it heart healthy where she did it over mashed potatoes with, you know, uh, pomegranate seeds for crunch and uh, ground turkey instead of pork and beef, things like that. So we always encourage our customers, if you have a great recipe using our mix, send it over. We'll give you credit and we'll put it on our site. <laughs> there you go. And, and you mentioned before, you got the pâté chinois, which is very, very fun. Yeah. Again, something that it wasn't until I was probably in college that I realized that that's not something everybody in the entire <laughs> world ate growing up. So, no, or they cool. called it shepherd's pie, which, yeah, no, you know, for me, not the same. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, hamburger, corn, potatoes. There's no yes. gravy. There's no peas and carrots. No. In, so, in, in layers. Yeah. Right. It has to be in the layers. <laughs> I don't see no. these layers. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. That's actually how my family used to make. So I know people make uh, the salmon pie differently. Yeah. My family was always layered as well, the, the salmon and the peas and the potatoes. But very. And now, one thing I did say was kind of cool. It, it reminded me, uh, you guys had like the, the game meat turkey on your yeah. on your webpage because I think that probably the best thing I had when I was in Quebec, and I had it a couple times, something I think they called Tortier Lac Saint Jean, which was absolutely amazing. So it's it like definitely reminded me. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole different animal of of tortier and right. it's. I wish that they weren't both called tortier because I think it's really misleading. You know, like they're, obviously tortier Lac Saint Jean, it has you know that extra bit, but it's they're really like two different things. The right. tortier Lac Saint Jean uses big chunks of meat so and you know a really hearty crust, and you can even put it in like a thirteen by nine, um, not necessarily just a pie plate. So it is; it's its own delicious animal no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> very cool i uh, know something i thought was really really awesome um you can gal gets this mix at hannaford's yeah which is amazing because yeah. that's okay. a big restaurant chain where i am that's so cool uh, yeah hannaford no, supermarket chain not restaurant chain supermarket yeah. chain here yeah yeah hannaford was three years in the making uh it's not easy to get your products i can imagine right <laughs> And I, the one thing I have to say, like, I am relentlessly stubborn and some <laughs> people think that that's a good thing. Some people don't, but if you're starting a business, I, I try to think that it's a good thing. So, you know, it's never, no, it's just not yet. And Very nice. so just, there was, yeah. So we, we got our products in Hannaford. It was all over, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, New York, uh, seasonally. So I don't, still in the stores. Uh, I think it was just from, you know, November to end of January. Sure. And then 
it looks like they're going to have us back next year for the year. And I'm hoping that they'll include our new products. You know, the bean supper blend is coming out in a couple weeks. And then uh, I'm doing a cotton mix. Nice. Yeah, after that. And then exclusive news on your podcast is I'm actually going to come out with a split pea soup mix as well. Very Um, cool. My mom will be hyped about that for sure. She (laughs) loves split pea soup. Now, how did you pronounce and spell Creton, because again, I see two very different things that I see here. It's awesome. There's multiple, multiple spellings, which again is so difficult for marketing, right? So if you're trying to get it out there, I have to put all the hashtags for like all sure. the spellings for all the potential search terms. Right. So Creton, again, like if you go in the dictionary, it's Creton, C-R-E-T-O-N-S. Gotcha. Then you'll see people call it I think Gorton or Gorton. something. They, they put yes. a G in it. Right? G-O-R-T-O-N, Gorton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then you'll also see it spelled C-R-O-T-O-N-S. And then okay. sometimes we put out the S. Same thing with Creton, C-R-E-T-O-N-S. It, technically it needs the S, but you'll see it without the S. So it's all over and it's regional. And yeah, I, I, I would be really interested in, in how that all evolves, you know, with the, where the G kind of evolved in that <laughs> now, you mentioned it must that must be a nightmare so i remember going out to a diner with again with my sister and yeah. they it had the diner had c-r-e-t-o-n on the menu yeah. and i was asking my sis you know want to order it and she's just like i have no idea what that is now we yeah. grew up with this but she yeah. never seen it spelled that way it was always yeah, exactly. so right exactly now very, my uncle david, cool. my uncle david and my uncle david Aunt brenda their family owned rogers supadala in sanford for you know as long as i can remember and they recently sold it but they would make their own cotton and their own took cakes and everything at christmas time and but they always had cotton there you know in the cooler section of their uh grocery store and things like that and so that's that was my exposure to cotton and then my neighbor growing up uh his mom made amazing cotton. i mean she's probably if not my favorite Franco-American cook that I know. Yeah, she is phenomenal with everything that she would make growing up. And so I, I've had so many delicious examples oh, cool. of these foods. Yeah, so it's been such a such a pleasure to make. I'm excited. No, I'm really excited to hear that. Now, one thing I've talked about, actually, we had uh, Matt Preventure on the show. He's a chef here in Manchester, a terrific <laughs> chef. He's actually back-to-back winner of the Putsin Fest. Yeah, nice. Uh, we had joked about how when he was growing up, same thing with me. Uh, you could have all the various different kinds of mustard in the world, but yeah. you had for everything else. But when it came time for your gratin sandwich, it was always yeah. just plain yellow mustard. Yeah. It was like the only thing that you ever had on white bread, yeah. white toast. Yeah, yeah. And we actually had, so when I was really young, there was a bakery called Jean's Bakery and they made what we called, and I don't think this is like the official name for it, but we we always called it cream roll. And it was a cylindrical white loaf of bread and it was baked in a canister. So the crust was very soft. Like it wasn't like a crust, you know, and it was very dense and it was made with milk or cream. And we would get this and it was sliced really thin and you would toast it and put the cotton on and it was, oh my gosh, the best thing ever. This sounds amazing. I have been trying to hunt down this bread for the longest time (laughs) researching it like where do I get these you know 
cylinder pans and where's sure. and I finally found the recipe in Julia Child's cookbook for pen de mie wow, which okay. is talking about the crumb so the crumb is really dense so it's not even that it's milk it's just the milk makes this really dense crumb in the bread and it is divine yeah. <laughs> that might be my next my next project is to start making this for myself <laughs> that sounds like a, a very worthwhile project yeah very awesome now, I'm curious what kind of reaction you've gotten north of the border in Quebec when they you see know, all these products. It's been really interesting. So a lot of skepticism, which understandably so, um, totally understand that. A lot of excitement as well. I'm actually looking to export to Canada this year and nice. we're in the talks with some buyers and things like that to see if it'll work out. But I think there is a lot of skepticism and like, are you sure this is going to taste like it's supposed to taste? And a lot, you know, even on some Facebook groups that I belong to, you know, it's like, oh, can I buy this? I'm in Canada and Canadians can buy it. I mean, it's expensive for shipping and customs and all that stuff, but it is possible um, to go on our website and buy it. Uh, But yeah, it is. It's been, it's been interesting to hear that and totally understandable. You know, I don't take offense or anything like that, but I guess it, because there are, the only other options, right? So our ready-made products like this, right. like you buy coton or you buy a tortier, um, or there are a couple of companies that ha- have manufactured spice blends, but you still have to do the same amount of work. It's just, sure. they're, you know, kind of portioned out for you. So yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of, just like anything, right? You have people who are excited, people who are skeptical, people who are like, no, this isn't traditional, so I don't want to do it. Um, and then you have people, you know, like, a lot of my mom and friends and everyone it's like if you ever stop doing this business i want the rest of your supply because i'm never, <laughs> I'm never making another one from scratch again <laughs> that is very very awesome yeah no, that's cool so we have all these we're, we're dropping new products now we got beans coming we got croton gratin coming we got pea soup yeah. coming when can we expect to see all of those this has been way fun oh gosh you know I hope as soon as possible, I know the beans are going to be out mid-March. Um, nice. And actually, if you go on our site, we are taking pre-orders. Um, so if you order now, I'm offering free shipping um, for, for that um, as like a thank you for pre-ordering. And then I'm expecting, or I should say I'm hoping again, because now uh, I'm sure everyone knows like things are so nuts with supply chains and oh, of course. pricing and everything. Um, it's been tricky, but I'm hoping to get the coton out early summer and then the pea soup out ready for fall. I love it. Uh, I think this is just a terrific, terrific idea. I know around here, it was kind of a game changer when people discovered they could order like a St. Hubert um, mm. mix for their there puts in that was like a huge deal <laughs> among yeah. the group I work with so I think it's awesome that you're able to put Thank this together you. this is very very cool and this has been a really really fun conversation now again if people want to order this amazing product right now where should we send so my website's probably the best place uh kmgfoods.com we do sell on Amazon as well. Uh, the supply, we're kind of at the end of season supply, but there is a coupon available on Amazon right now. You get a dollar off a three pack till the end of the month. And then as soon as the beans are ready, I'm hoping to have the beans back up in Amazon as well. But a lot of small retailers are still carrying our products. If you go on our website, on our find us page, we list all of those locations. So we also offer wholesale options 
for you know mom and pop stores and things like that that want to carry us. So yeah, I'm hoping to be in a lot more locations. Well, this has been terrific. It's been a really, really fun conversation opportunity to speak with Kristen Gagne of KMG Foods. We will be sure to post a link on all our stuff to where you can find this, this product, these amazing products. And again, I'm super hyped, especially for this bean mix, because we need to take a second shot, me and my sis, at our attempt at bean. So Chris, I very much appreciate you joining. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jesse. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.